Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. But by moving the picture from one frame to another, you can kind of change the way that you see the picture. It might make certain colors pop out more, or it might make the painting seem more cheerful or more gloomy or more expensive. That's what framing does. It, it frames information in a way that influences us in a way that shouldn't matter. And I think to a certain extent, even as you're saying, from a political standpoint, what gets me is you get the same data and everybody does put different spins on it and a different frame on it. Yeah, even if you're thinking about like the benefits of your product, it doesn't even have to be comparative to another product. World War Series victories? Or, or World Series victories? <laughs> Not World War Series, <laughs> World War. Uh, that was such a good joke and I blew it. World Series baseball victories? That was what I tried to say. Yes. Yeah. All right, Colin. So today we're going to talk about framing, okay, which is one of my favorite decision theory topics. And I'm going to start with one of my favorite framing examples. So right. in economics, they'll sometimes run experiments that are essentially games. So they'll explain the rules of these games and people have to make a choice and then there's usually a payout. So if you, if you make a certain choice and somebody else makes a different choice and you get a certain payout. These are, are very fun ways of, of testing things. Good. I like payouts. Uh, you like payouts. You like games. It's, it's just great. <laughs> Actually, this is a, this is a hard diversion, which is bad. Like one minute into a podcast, I should save my diversions for later. But there, <laughs> there was actually a very popular British game show on TV. I think it was called Golden Ball or Golden Balls. The Golden Shop. Uh, that may be it. Back in the day. It was one of these economic games they turned into a game show so they are they're very entertaining this particular game that they ran was a cooperation game i'm simplifying it a little bit but you you essentially had to choose whether to cooperate with the other player or whether to defect and kind of go your own way and if the payouts were set up so that if you both cooperated then you both got the highest payout in total but if you defected and the other person chose to cooperate, then you ended up with a very good payout for yourself and the other guy got nothing. And then if you both chose to defect, then you both got very little. So it was this, it was this trust game. Like how much do you trust the other person to do the right thing and cooperate with you versus try to cheat on you and kind of get the higher payout? So it's a very common game that they do. The experiment in this case was everybody got exactly the same game. They understood the rules exactly the same way. The payout was exactly the same. The only difference was some people played this game and the experimenters called it the community game. And some people played this game and they called it the Wall Street game. Uh -huh. Yeah, that was Wouldn't it. trust that. And so the results, which will surprise exactly no one, <laughs> is that when it was called the community game, people were about twice as likely to cooperate as when they called it the Wall Street game. <laughs> 
when they called it the Wall Street game, people put on their competitive hats and defected like crazy and nobody wanted to cooperate. Right. Interesting. So basically, same set of circumstances. Exactly the Different same. result. All because of this label, because of this name. Right. This is an example of framing. So framing effects are, are defined fairly narrowly in, in the scientific literature. It's essentially when you give people a set of facts that don't change. So the, the information that is important and pertinent is all the same for everybody, but you change something else, something around it. So right, the, the reason it's called framing is it's as if you've got exactly the same picture, but by moving the picture from one frame to another, you can kind of change the way that you see the picture. It might make certain colors pop out more, or it might make the painting seem more cheerful or more gloomy or more expensive. That's what framing does. It, it frames information in a way that influences us in a way that shouldn't matter. Right. But clearly does. But clearly does. So there are whole like streams of research that are done around framing effects. I thought I'd just run you through some of the greatest hits, some of my favorites. Let me just sort of test one for the moment then. In fact, we did a podcast a little while ago, which was around the fact that one in four CX professionals are going to, as predicted by Forrester, are going to be uh, losing their jobs in 2020. Mm -hmm. I found that interesting in the sense that they didn't say 75% of people would be retaining their jobs. There you go. Yeah. Yep. So exactly the same number, but I guess from a headlines perspective and from a uh, an attraction perspective of, oh, I better read this, then human nature is negative and, well, not that's a sweeping generalisation, isn't it? Human nature is negative. It's not. British human nature is negative. <laughs> we, we know where you're coming from, Colin. We, we've, we've all watched Monty Python. So. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's a bit like watching the news, isn't it? <laughs> no, you know, it is. It's, um, yeah. and the, the, it's always the negative things that get the, get the press rather than the, the, the positive things. So that that is a, a pitch-perfect example of a framing effect. And in fact, it is... It is the flavor of framing effect that has gotten the most attention and is arguably the most important, which is gain-loss framing, right? So we talk about loss aversion and the work of Kahneman and Tversky, and and it was kind of some of the Nobel Prize winning work that, that Kahneman did. This is like the biggest kind of framing that we talk about, which is exactly what you said. Saying 75% of people are going to keep their jobs is exactly the same. It's exactly equivalent to saying 25% of the people will lose their jobs, but it results in very different reactions to that. We're not going to talk a lot about gain-loss framing just because we talk a lot about loss aversion in other podcasts, and and we will again because it's so important. But I do want to give you, just emphasize that this is really important uh, before we move on and talk about other types of framing. You gave a great example. That's around sort of certainty and stuff like that then as well, is it? It often is. One of the effects of gain-loss framing is that it changes our risk perceptions, our risk preferences. It also makes things seem kind of more or less attractive. One thing about all of these framing effects is it's not about being dumb. It's not that, oh, this is something that idiots are susceptible to, but smart people not so much. They, they, one of the, the famous framing effect examples they, they ran, they did on doctors, on MDs, and they gave them a, a case file, a hypothetical patient, 
and they had, this patient had a disease and they had to choose what course of action to take to treat this patient. One of the options was, you know, a course of drugs and another one was, you know, whatever it was. One of them was surgery though. The manipulation was some doctors got this case file that said that the surgery that could treat this disease had a 95 or an, a 95% survival rate. Other people got exactly the same thing, but it said that the surgery had a 5% mortality rate. So 5% of the people who got surgery died. Right. And as I'm sure you could anticipate, the doctors who got one that said 95% survival rate were more likely to recommend the surgery. Now, doctors are not dumb. They know that 95% survival rate means 5% mortality rate and vice versa. But it's just really hard to spontaneously reframe that information. The way it comes in influences our judgments of it. So consequently, from a from a customer experience perspective or from a you know a growth how do you grow things perspective, you're starting to look at, well, we have this piece of information uh, or we want to market our product. How is it best that we frame this up moving moving forward? Should we be putting a positive spin or a negative spin on it? And I guess this is where when you start to see some, I was just trying to think of some examples of it. One of the things that happens in the States a lot more than happens in in the UK is the negative advertising. World War Series victories? Or, or World Series victories? <laughs> Not World War Series, <laughs> World War. That uh, was such a good so joke when you say- and I blew it. <laughs> World Series baseball victories? That was what I tried to say. Yes. Yeah. Yes, World Series, the only America we're yes, in. Well, yeah, that's the one. Canadians, <laughs> too. There are a couple of Canadians. <laughs> Canadian, yes, okay. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take credit for that joke, even though I, I blew it up, because <laughs> I was so close. Just calling it two countries series <laughs> is probably not the best no, thing to do, no. is it? But there you go. Another, another bit of framing. Yeah, but I get a good point well made. Sorry, sorry. Uh, 20 minutes ago, you started off by saying something that was more common in the US than the UK. When don't you finish that? I was talking about the negative advertising or the negative comparisons. You rarely get that. Especially in political ads. Yes, yes, without getting political, particularly in the pharmaceutical area where they were saying this is better than that and that's better than this and they're obviously trying to... But that is, I guess, therefore putting that framing effect on it. And I think to a certain extent, even as you're saying, from a political standpoint, what gets me is you get the same data and everybody does put different spins on it and a different frame on it. Yeah. Even if you're thinking about like the benefits of your product, it doesn't even have to be comparative to another product. So are you going to talk about the fact that that this new drink is energizing, kind of focusing on the positives of it, or are you going to frame it as preventing lethargy? and blocking out negative consequences. This is another example of framing. You're, you're communicating essentially the same information, but are you focusing it, are you tilting it in kind of a positive direction or in a negative direction, focusing on the gains or focusing on the losses? Why not let Colin and Ryan speak at your next conference? As you can hear, they're great communicators and can get over a message in a simple, inspiring, and humorous way. Contact Beyond Philosophy by going to beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. I'm thinking of where somebody listening to this, going in to see their boss and wanting to put a good spin 
and maybe by even using the word spin, I'm talking about framing. You are very much. <laughs> putting a good spin on some of the results that they've got. Now, we all know, and again, I'm just thinking back to politicians, not everything goes right by any means, but it's what do you focus on? So are you focusing on the here are the good things that I've done? Maybe if I'm having my appraisal, these are all the good things that I've done over the last year. And yeah, there were a couple of bad things, but I'm not even going to talk about those. Well, so that wouldn't qualify as a framing effect as I've defined it, because now we're talking about different information. So if you're if you're communicating just the good and hiding the bad, that would be different than if you were communicating the bad as well. Now, what you could do, though, if I was communicating the bad at the same time, that comes under the definition of framing. Right. So if you if you do, you know, you have to report the good and the bad. This is just essentially a list of of things that you did or numbers associated with what you did. But there are opportunities to frame those numbers. So are you going to compare it to what you did last year? Or are you going to compare it to what your competitors are doing? Well, those might provide different frames of reference. And one of those frames might be more positive than the other. So if you're doing much better than you did last year, but your competitors are still killing you, framing it in terms of what you did relative to yourself is going to be a more positive frame for you. And I'm sure you're going to use the example of the organ donation. The gain-loss framing is just one kind of framing. And it's it's very, very common and it's very important. But it is just one kind. So the organ donation study has been very influential. It's in a couple of TED Talks. It's been mentioned in books. Do you want to summarize it for us quickly? Yeah, it was basically around the whether people wanted to opt into organ donation or opt out of organ donation. I think it was actually, and because I think in the UK they've recently changed this. I don't know what the stats are, but effectively, when you are asked to opt in, not many people opt in. When you are asked to opt out, not many people opt out. So you end up with a lot more people on organ donation if you if you pose the, the question, you frame the question in a manner that is opt out of this if you don't want to help people and save lives, or I'm probably exaggerating. I'm sure you're gonna correct me on the on the real questions or whatever. No, you you got it you got it exactly right. So Do I go to the top of the class? You do, yes. For what that's worth. Can I just say that your tone is not framing this very well? I was going to say, since you're the only one in this particular class, (laughs) we could also frame it as you're at the bottom of the class as well. So same information. Yes. Well, I'm used to that, mate, so (laughs) So I'm fine. You got that exactly right. So it's important to note that this is not an example of gain-loss framing. We're not focusing on the gains or focusing on the losses. Instead, this is what's uh, known as uh, status quo bias or default framing. So by framing the question as, do you want to opt in or do you want to opt out? You're kind of subtly communicating like the norm or the right or the best choice is the default. So I'm going to assume that you want to donate your organs. If you don't want to, you can check this box and opt out. That's fine. From a kind of a normative perspective, you're giving people the exact same choice. It's just that you're framing it in a way that leads one to be perceived of as more attractive or, or better. So I was thinking about this before we started the podcast. Strangely, I do think about these things before the podcast. It made me start to think of when you get organizations that effectively say 95% of people think this is wonderful. 
Yeah. As usual, as we always say, that, you know, there's more than one thing happening there. And I guess that's partly about social pressure and social proofing and other things. But I also, that's clearly framing as as well of some description. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, at any time you give a number, there's a good chance you could be framing that number in multiple different ways, right? So saying four to five dentists recommend is the same as saying 20% of dentists don't like this thing. And those are two very different feelings if you're receiving those equivalent pieces of information. And a lot of us do this very naturally in the course of conversation. There are opportunities to think about the ways that you're communicating that could potentially flip things around. I mean, going back to the organ donation, right? So there's a reason that this has been such a, a profound and popular study that people talk about is because this is a really small change that resulted in this really huge shift, right? And as we said, you know, there are governments who have now taken notice and they've changed the way that they, they communicate this stuff. If you're interested in using behavioral science to influence your business, to promote growth or to change customer experience, that study should provide you with a lot of hope. There's room for a lot of movement here. If we're being clear, though, that study should also terrify you. There were government officials who wanted to promote organ donation and who chose to frame the question as an opt-in, not realizing that that would matter at all because it shouldn't. And it had this huge dramatic effect. And just like there's these opportunities for framing effects to work in our favor, there are also opportunities for framing effects to completely blow up on us if we're not careful and if we don't kind of pay attention to this stuff. Sure, sure. As you were talking, I was thinking to myself, part of this is surely about or a way of managing customers' expectations, is it? Yeah, so framing effects are very much based on references and reference framing. So if you think about a gain or a loss, that's relative to some reference point, right? So are we going to frame this as doing better than my own past performance? Or are we going to do this, frame this as doing being worse than the competition? Those are two reference points that we're bringing in. So yes, it's very much about setting expectations and setting frames of reference and um, giving people reference points uh, that drives a lot of this framing. Clearly, you're saying about it being sort of numbers related. And I know that when we discussed this earlier, we were talking about the danger is, is that I sit here and I say everything that Apple does is wonderful and everything that cable companies do is bad. And that from a top level is setting a framework. But I guess I have that automatic framing in my brain anyway, don't I? And that's where I just start to think about it from an expectation perspective or from a, is that just the way I think or is that frame set or is it not even framing? It depends on your perspective, right? So I do research as part of my job and I submit my research for peer review. And so that's where three anonymous colleagues get to kind of pick your work apart. That perspective that you just articulated is always what reviewer two anonymously says, and I hate him. And so there's there's a <laughs> at least you know it's a him because if, if you're hating him you know it's a him somehow you just know somehow um, if they're nice it could go either way but somehow you know reviewer two is always a him. yeah <laughs> when we talk about human behavior and in, in psychological theory if you step back far enough 
a lot of these things seem to kind of merge and meld. So when you talk about having a positive frame for Apple products and a negative frame for cable companies, you're right. Like those are biases and and that makes a lot of sense. I would, in terms of, of psychological theories, I would tend to call those more halo effects where kind of a higher order impression is influencing more specific judgment. You could call it framing and it still kind of makes linguistic sense at a, professor who joked that if you kind of like stood far enough back away from any research paper, it's all cognitive dissonance. Like you can kind of collapse everything down into that. Yeah. No, I think that's a good point. It is framing. If we're talking about framing effects, they tend to be a little bit more specific and, and often are numbers based. So let's ask our usual question here. And I think that's a sort of a good time to do it because you're right. I think the danger is that you can take a step back and be too far and therefore think too broadly, where the reality is for me, if you ask the normal question of, well, what is it we need to do? I guess one of the first things that you need to start to do is to go, I have some information here that I need to communicate to somebody, a customer, if we're talking about trying to gain growth or or things like that, then how should I communicate this information? And what frame, and the key question becomes, what's the frame that I should put about around it that will gain me the most growth or revenue or improvements in customer experience or whatever else it is, correct? Yes, no, absolutely, right? So, Like I said, you should be both excited and terrified by this if you're interested in this stuff. Framing effects emphasize the fact that information that shouldn't matter sometimes does. Let me end with kind of one final example here that I I really like. There's a professor at Yale named Shane Frederick, and he wrote a a framing effect paper that I really love. And he said that the the reason that this project came about is is this was several years ago and he was buying a, a DVD player. And he's trying to choose between these two models. And the salesperson came over and, and was helping him choose. And one was more expensive and one was less expensive. I don't remember. Like, say, one was $80 more than the other one. And the salesperson said, well, you know, if you buy the cheaper one, then you could use that $80 to buy some DVDs for your DVD player. The way Shane described <laughs> this experience, he was like, oh, my gosh, you're right. I could. Now, Shane has a PhD. He's a very bright guy. Very, very smart guy. And yet... When this salesperson framed that in this way, like it wasn't news that, yes, this is $80 less than that. Yes, $80 means that you would have money and money can be used to purchase goods and services. And among those goods and services might be DVDs that you could like nothing there was news. Sure. And yet it influenced his decision. And he ran a series of experiments that show that this is a reliable effect. If you point out to people that money saved can be used on other things, it'll encourage them to buy less expensive stuff. So as you're thinking about this, don't discount, well, it doesn't matter whether we tell people to opt in or opt out because that shouldn't matter. Yeah, a lot of this stuff should matter, but it can. So test it, try multiple things. Well, and and in fact, that's what I was just about to give an example of because as you were, again, as you were talking, I was thinking to myself, we, you know, we do this stuff. Because when we send out a monthly email newsletter, we test the newsletter 
with different titles before we send it out, okay? And it's surprising how clearly the subject line, and I guess everybody knows this, is really important. The key issue for me becomes... Actually, if you test these things and you test it with a sample group of people, then actually it can have a massive effect on things. The challenge with trying to do it in a subject line is just trying to get the amount of words together. But there you go. That's of our problems. Uh, well, it's not actually my problem, actually. One of the team's problems. So I shall go and tell them to listen to this podcast. How about that? There you go. There you go. Great. Okay, good. Thank you very much for everybody for dialing in today. And we look forward to seeing you next week. If I can frame the fact that these podcasts are really important to Ryan and I, and if you can do a review, that would really help us. We're really pleased with the amount of downloads that we've been getting recently. So thank you for all of that. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.